Folks, we are 19 days away from FSU kicking off, and we just had a scrimmage, and you know what time it is, Max? It's time to overreact to some scrimmage news. Elite lies are in full effect. Overreactions are in full swing, and folks, thank you guys so much for making Lockdown Samuels the first listen each and every single day. And with that being said, let's go on with this show. Also, Dave's camera's not working. That's okay. He does his best. <laughs> You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today we got a full house once again. I got Dave below me with no camera and got Max on top of me with the camera working well. Gentlemen. How are we doing today? We're good, man. We're good. I uh, I officially became a member today of the Atlanta Children's Museum. Exciting stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was cool. Uh, also, if, I yeah, ready to talk have, scrimmage. We have eighteen days to lie to ourselves and to each other. So let's take advantage of these eighteen days because after that, it's going to get tougher to lie. I just wanted to ask how you were freaking doing. You rude, rude I'm ready to lie. Uh, that's ready to I'm lie. in a lying mood. Let's lie. All right, then you know what. Let's go get right into it, folks, before we get into that. Thank you guys so much for being locked on Samuels versus each and every single day. And always don't forget, five-star reviews, either our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from, and also on YouTube. Like this video, subscribe it, share it to your friends, and also ding the little bell so you know when new content drops. Max, you're going to be in Tallahassee very, very soon. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, so Duke, Duke Span's winning the Bolitnikov, I've heard. Um, I don't know if they're going to add him to the watch list this week or if they're going to wait a couple days, but... Uh, from the sounds of, look, I take great pride in this because I said again, I was I was the one beating the drum for for you were the first span, you were and the first. I was also the one that was super high on Marcus Cushney. So I need a win here of like one <laughs> player no one else believes in <laughs> that I believed in first. Hey, Travis um, J, man, come on. And you know, I was in the FSU spaces today. I was listening. I listened to uh, a couple folks there talk from the one of the guys uh, CJ or whatever from the Big Three was talking about. He was actually at the scrimmage. Talked to two guys that were at the scrimmage too, and everyone agrees he is really fast. Not, not like fast, like okay, he can run quickly. Like he is the definition of fast, and that is really, really exciting because I don't think we've had someone since Tamori and Terry that it's like, oh, he's just faster than everyone else in a straight line. So does it concern you at all? I guess that his route running. Well, not concern you. I think the better question would be. Right now, what do you do with Deucepan? Because, as you said, he lit up the scrimmage. But also, he this is, what, his second year, transitioning from a QB prospect from high school into a wide receiver. Do you basically, for this season, basically limit him to maybe three to four routes of the route tree to basically kind of focus on? Or do you kind of try to expand a little more, like bring him along more slowly? Or a decoy. Well, or I a think, or a decoy. first of all, I think one of those routes needs to be a one or a zero, depending on how you call it. You know, we we always talk about his potential deep threat. When I did the breakdown of how to bust bracket coverage last or two weeks ago, I guess a week ago, I talked about how important it is to burn a cover, a one, a man coverage corner to force the safety to overcommit to a bracket. Um, but dude, you got to get with that speed. And if he's got the acceleration that people are saying he's had, that we've seen in the videos that I'm excited to see when I make it down to practices, um, throw him freaking screen passes. Like, just, you know, what, what, what's kind of the term of art that's come about? Like people are, you know, they call screen passes now are kind of like extended runs. It's not mm -hmm. so much like, 
you know, it's not, it used to be more of a trick play. Now it's like something where it's just, no, no, we're sort of just doing a long handoff. An extension of the run game. Right. And you know, Jordan Travis has a really strong arm when he's throwing those, like, you know, coach Cresser, who we talked to on here, Jordan's high school coach said, he can throw it 40 yards across the field with no arc on it. Like let him zip it to spam, put three blockers in front of him. Just let the speed do its thing, man. Um, but no, I don't think you limit him. I think, I don't think you ask him to do things he's incapable of, but you know, when you're a quarterback, you're throwing to a wide receiver. Most of your practicing is done with wide receivers. Like the concepts and the fundamentals of route running are not foreign to do span. To me, it'd be kind of like you learning Portuguese and being a native Spanish speaker. Like it's a, it's definitely different, but it's not the same as if you were, I don't know, let's say a safety, well, safety's kind of covering, but you get my point. Not like if that. I were going to try to learn Portuguese with no Spanish background, it's just, I think you just see how fast he's coming along, but no, I don't think our route tree is that complicated. Um, it's more, can you learn the playbook? Can he understand, you know, when to do what on option routes is probably the, the toughest part of making the transition um, because there's what the quarterback sees and how they want an option route to look. And then, you know, the receiver gets a completely different viewpoint of that same option route and they're keyed on something different usually and have to know which way to break it and be on the same page as their quarterback. So maybe I wouldn't throw those routes at him, but Dude, give him whatever he's ready for, and let's get some freaking speed that's six foot four inches tall in this field because we need that desperately. Yeah, and you, but he's he's not it at the receiver position. Uh, I'm I'm fully ready to continue lying. Maybe it's not even a lie about Micah Pittman. It it feels like I keep hearing the same things about him, which is that he's gonna be. I think Norvell said a problem for defenses, and we haven't had a problem at the receiver spot since Tamori and Terry. I think. Um, very different. Like he's not going to blow the top off and just be faster than everybody, but we haven't had a consistent receiver in the slot who we can depend on. Uh, like apparently Micah Pittman could be this year that, I mean, I'm ready to lie and say, hell, maybe he's one of our two best receivers this year. Well, Micah he's about Pittman's 30 pounds heavier. Baby. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I mean, Micah Pittman is going to basically be your baby Debo Samuel in the slot, in the slot spot. I mean, basically going to be asking, basically asking what you need to do. And also basically, in my personal opinion, is going to be probably your Swiss army knife of your offense. And then also with Span, I mean, I'm actually going to be very excited for the Louisville game when we simply ask him to run a go route against Robert Brownlee because we all know that Josh Brownlee cannot keep up on a majority of go routes. But wide receivers, they look solid. I mean, I knew that I heard there was a few drops in between. I think Johnny Wilson, you know, didn't have the best. Yeah, they still days. can't catch. So, most of them still I mean, yeah, can't catch. Yeah, most of them still can't catch. It's terrifying. But, but, but this is the first week of fall camp but it wouldn't be some overreactions if we didn't talk about the offensive line. And a majority of the offensive Ew. line, apparently starters, did not play, did not play or did not practice. I'm um, pretty sure that I think it was Thomas Schrader was the one actually handling snapping duties. I think Darius Washington might have been in there as well. He's coming off of a uh, ankle injury. Dave, yeah. what do you make of actually kind of what you're hearing about basically with this offensive line? How much concern do you have heading into basically this is only the first week camp? All right. Well, it depends on what mood I'm in. If I'm lying, I'm saying we've talked about the fact that we're eight deep on the offensive line position, that we've had all these transfers come in that make it such that worst case scenario, we're back to the offensive line we had last year, basically. Um, but it's funny because you hear these injury news or this injury news, and you can't help but revert back to like the familiar thought of, oh, we're screwed. Um, it, I should feel good. We've talked multiple times over the last few weeks that at each spot we go too deep. But you take a couple of key guys off, off the offensive line, and my question to you guys is, do you really, when it comes down to it, feel any differently in terms of one guy, one, two guys go down on the line, do you still feel like we're going to win that football game? Because last year I think the answer was no. 
I feel entirely differently, Dave. I, I empathize with the point you're making. Um, but last year it was if any two offensive linemen of our starting five got hurt, I was very confident we were losing. Yes, this year if it compounds like at the center position or at the left tackle position, and but that starter and that second string go down, I'm really nervous. But the aggregate high level, if two guys go down, we lose. I don't feel like that anymore. I mean, I think, look, look at the center position. Let's We're not giving away injury reports, but let's just say that Caden Lyles is injured. Let's say that Mo Smith gets hurt. Well, we still have Darius Washington there, right? Yeah. Last year we had Mo Smith, and if he got hurt, it was Babyon Johnson moving over to center who had a 58.6 at center, actually better than Mo Smith, according to Pro Football Focus. <laughs> and if he got hurt, I don't know what we were going to do. I guess have a walk-on, maybe stand at this, get a long snapper in there. Um, yeah, Drake was going to You know, and, and it just would have been an absolute disaster. So I think that, in a way, hearing the guys that we're hearing whose names, you know, we're not going to necessarily throw names out there, but talking to our correspondent, Hunter, who's who's done some recon for me, um, I, I feel like it kind of proves the depth that we do have that we were even able to have a scrimmage because last year, there were times where they had to not scrimmage in practice because not as many offensive linemen as you would think it would take for that to happen were hurt, so they couldn't run 11-on-11. 11 11. Now they're having a full scrimmage with at least three or four offensive linemen not participating, and, and I, that's kind of encouraging in a way. And wasn't and, it not long ago that we were having to put like walk-on defensive linemen out there because we needed to be able to run plays on offense in practice? Two years ago in 2020, yeah, we were hearing about or they were doing stuff where they were like, you know, putting one defensive lineman out there and they had it just center guard guard and then two just, you know, coaches or dummy guys just standing at the tackle positions while they while they ran plays like because guys were so banged up. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, like, again, I'm not excited. Guys are hurt by any means, but I think it is a testament to the depth that we've built at that position. Um, I will say, like, I think people might be brushing some of this off a little too quickly. Yeah, uh, I again, not breaking anything, but. Um, talking to some of the folks down there that are they're on the ground, they're on campus, they're working with the team. Uh, I would not be so confident that all of these are just precautionary. Precautionary. They're not all like I'm trying to be careful with what I say here, but I'm not saying anyone's out for the season or anything like that. But I I do expect to see an offensive line against Duquesne that maybe isn't as good as if no one had any injury issues at all throughout Campbell. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, pretty much that's the kind of thing that I was kind of hearing too, that initially it probably would have been precautionary. I think there were some sort of banged up players, I think, during the middle of the week. But then as, you know, a few days go by, after initial evaluations, you go a little more deeper into it, that it might be a little more, not worse for the wear. Like I think what Max you're saying is that no one is completely out for the entire year. I know there was the big rumor that was basically on Twitter and 247 where, we had several, I think several linemen actually tore their ACL. That has neither been confirmed nor denied, <laughs> no. but folks, we can't be that damaged or that sort of, I guess, you know, paranoid when basically here an offensive lineman goes down, you can't automatically assume the worst for wear. But folks, I can tell you that I talked to, I talked to someone that directly speaks with people on the training staff and I know exactly where the rumor of the torn ACL came from. I know what injury it is and I can mm -hmm. tell you it's not a torn ACL. Yeah. I, I can say that. I don't know if that counts as reporting injury news, but I can confidently tell you that, I know exactly what injury got equated to that, and it's not even close to a torn ACL. Yeah, so um, I don't even know if guys, like I said, I don't even know if guys are going to miss Duquesne, but if you miss a week or two of practice, it's not good for your development. That that's being more said, the concern. That's more it's a scrimmage. So I'm going to use Dylan Gibbons as an example. 
if he were to be kept out of a scrimmage for precautionary reasons, it's his sixth year of college football. I Second would much here. rather, but I would much rather have his body taken care of. Like he knows the system. He knows how to block. We've seen him do it. Like there's some guys that you really shouldn't be that worried about their development. If they do say, Hey, maybe this guy, I'm just using Dylan as an example, doesn't need to go full contact, full live in an 11 on 11 right now. And I'm not like, Oh man, it's, it, Armel is a guy I would not take hold out for precautionary reasons. Cause I, we need him to get reps. The and older all, guys and, and the older guys, I mean, you see, you see him NFL all the time, preseason game one, what they play, like what one series, right. maybe several snaps. No, I like, it's, and it goes to basically what you're saying, where the, the depth is so and is so much of a better spot than the previous years that these young kids actually can get the reps that they need, and we don't have to keep you know using them. Basically, you know,